We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. We are getting closer and closer to the college football season. Kyle Porter has been traipsing around the globe with his family and kids and wife and then also work with the PGA Tour. He just got back from the PGA Championship. Kyle, have you slept at all? Uh, I have slept since I got back. I didn't sleep much while I was there. Uh, had a good time in Charlotte. I like Charlotte. Good city. It's I don't know if it's underrated, but it was solid. Um, not the greatest tournament necessarily. Uh, the course was just kind of meh. It's okay. Uh, but we did get a good ending, which was fun, and I know we're going to talk about it in a minute. Uh, but you've been you've been uh, going a few places as well. Where where were you last night? I was at the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame inductions, which was which was a lot of fun. I mean, there was two absolute monster names getting uh, inducted. You know, not every year has you know a, a worldwide known name like Big Country Brian Reeves. He was inducted as well as Jason White, obviously the Heisman winner. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I I actually talked to Jason White for about 15 minutes, which was which was awesome. And what we started talking about was I remembered he was originally committed to Miami. And so I brought that up and was like, you know, you're from Tuttle, Oklahoma. Going to Coral Gables is a little culture shock, is it not? And he's like, yeah. But he goes, I would have played on that 2000 team for Miami because mm. he had to sit behind a Heupel when they went to the they won the national championship, obviously. So he wasn't too disappointed, but. Remember, it was between Miami and Oklahoma who got to play Florida State. So he would have been on that 2000 Miami team, which is frightening. And as we were talking about that, I mentioned, hey, I grew up a Florida State fan. He goes, oh, did you really? He goes, I did too. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, my sister played softball at Florida State. I wanted to go play really? there. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I, I didn't even know he had a sister. But she she played softball at Florida State. And that's where he wanted to go. And he said he met with Bobby Bowden one time and – They'd already had. He goes. He goes. They already had some quarterback commit. Who was the one that played after Chris Winkie? I go. I just tucked my head down and said Chris Ricks. He goes. Yeah. He goes. They are. They already had him committed and they liked him. And I was like, Jason, I'm. I'm never getting over this conversation. Like this is. <laughs> this is. This is terrible. And I, I reminded him that Anquan Bolden was actually like a five-star quarterback coming out of high school too. They was had him he really? Committed. I didn't remember yeah. that. Yeah, it was a big uh, debate who was going to be the quarterback at Florida State, Anquan Bolden or Chris Ricks. And uh, obviously it worked out for Anquan Bolden. He's still playing in the NFL. But there was a time whenever Ricks got suspended for the Sugar Bowl, remember he slept through like a, an exam? Maybe they should have had Bolden do both. Well, in that Sugar Bowl, Bolden threw a pass. I, I kid you not, it had to have gone 80 yards in the air. It was like, remember Tom Brady throwing it to Randy Moss and the Hail Mary yeah. when they lost to the yeah. Giants? It was it was every bit as far as that on a rope. And you're like, oh, that's probably why he played quarterback when he was younger. This so. is like Dez. Dez should have played quarterback at Oklahoma State. <laughs> oh, dude, that's like the, he has the legendary arm, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, in one last story, um, as I was leaving, I saw a country uh, milling about. I was trying to. I was trying to talk to him, but he was just so busy, and you know, he's he's big country. He's, he's not he's not the most approachable human. He's a giant, and. Uh, Bill Self just appears out of like it's this, there was a separate room where it was like darker and everyone's kind of milling about before the ceremony. It wasn't like in the main media room. It's kind of dark, and all of a sudden Bill Self just pops up and starts talking to Big Country. And I was like, "Oh, it's Bill!" And then he walks directly toward me and has to like go around me. So I just said, "How we doing, Coach?" <laughs> and he goes, "It was good, man. How are you?" And I introduced myself and told him who I am, what I do, and he goes. 
and because he and I went to the same high school. And I yeah. go, hey, it's good to see a fellow uh, Edmund Bulldog. And he kind of looked at me uh, sideways and was like, what year did you graduate? And I, I told him, he's like, oh, you're, you're a child. <laughs> and, so, and, and, and so then I, once I told him what I do or whatever, he's like, oh, I remember Jerry Park, who was like an old Channel 5 guy back in the day. And I was like, yeah, uh, he's long gone. Mark Rogers is no longer there either because him and Mark are friends. And I told him that I, I came up under Bob Berry Jr. And so he's, he we shared a few BBJ stories. And did and you, that was that. It was fun. Did you ask him about the infamous uh, if they had lost to Davidson story? You know, when I shook his hand, kind of like Chad Weiberg, I wanted to pull him in close. Just like Godfather style. And be like, I know you were on a plane going to Stillwater. And you, I know you landed in Stillwater and told Holder you were coming and then went home and didn't. <laughs> But no, I, I should have asked him. Hey, if Davidson hits that shot, are you the coach of OSU? But yeah, um, I, so I think that'd be a good way to start my first introduction would, to him. No, no, that would not have been good. Would Jason White and Jeremy Shockey have been small town Oklahoma kids on the same Miami team? You bet. Wow, yep. that's crazy. Didn't did Miami just have like a like were they just recruiting like out of northeast well, they, Oklahoma or something? Well, they had Larry Coker on their staff who has uh, a yeah. million Oklahoma. Yeah. He's from Oklahoma. And when you have I mean, they're not dumb. They they know Jeremy Shockey's an NFL tight end and they know Jason White was an absolute freak of nature. Like Jason White had like everyone in the country recruiting him out of Tuttle. And Tuttle's like class a very small class in Oklahoma but like everyone just knew he was a superstar he even played safety a little like he was a actually he might have he was I heard he was an awesome safety on top of playing quarterback so that's how they all that's how Miami was recruiting Oklahoma was Larry Coker well and and the thing about that is like if you if you live in Oklahoma and you don't want to go to like Oklahoma or Oklahoma State like you just want to get out like what better place to go than the U you know, like what, but like what we go to, you know, like Florida state. Well, I'm just, what my point? Yes. Or Florida state or USC or whatever. Like it, it, it's, it's very enamoring. If you're from Tuttle, Oklahoma to go play at, at FSU or Miami or Michigan or, you know, whatever it is. I, I think that's, that's a really interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, as I kind of told, like when we, me and Jason were talking about it, like we're kids of the nineties, like who was on TV and who was awesome. Florida State and Miami. Yeah. Like, that's all you saw. And that's why I became a Florida State fan. They're on TV every weekend. So obviously the uniforms help too. But what? <laughs> but no, it, it was a lot of fun. But, um, you know, it was really cool to see a big country get inducted, Kyle. I mean, he's one of the more remarkable stories yeah. in the history in the history of sports. Like I know that sounds like a hyperbole, but it's not. I mean, com- coming from Gans, Oklahoma, is barely a town. There's only a few hundred people that live there. It's just a remote farm, essentially. And for him to go from there to the, the heights that he he got at Oklahoma State and obviously in the NBA too, he he made an all rookie team at, in the NBA. People think he was just some bust. He was really good his first three or four or five years. That's why he got a big contract. So he's he's just a remarkable story, and it was cool to see him honored. I, I think he has still made the most money of any Oklahoma State uh, player in NBA history. I think it was like sixty mil. Uh, I don't know if if Tony Allen. Uh, well, Tony Allen probably doesn't have a chance to, to surpass him. I don't, I don't know who will. I, you know that that's that might that record might stand for a while. Um, I do want to let's talk a little bit more big country. Let's uh, it's time for our Coop Aleworks toast of the week. Coop Aleworks brewing great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian strong ale, or the refreshing horny toad blonde for your next watch party, tailgate, or get together with friends. Enjoy a cold Coop Aleworks. 
And please remember to drink responsibly. I still have a uh, an F5 in my refrigerator. I think I might might consume that a, a cold F5 tonight. But um, I think we're both we're both going to toast uh, Big Country just because of the achievement uh, that he uh, has had making it into the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame. Um, you wanted to talk favorite memories, so I'll, I'll let you have the stage and uh, just give me your favorite big country memory. Well, he really um, Barry Trammell wrote a column about it before the event, and I thought he he summed it up really well when he kind of compared him to like Paul Bunyan, where he was like this just mythical figure that did these freakish things. Like we all remember the half court shot. I wasn't there for that. We all remember the the, the glass shattering at the Final Four. I wasn't there for that either. I just remember Kyle going to old Gallagher Iowa with my dad and back then they let kids just like run on the floor after the games. Like I remember I, like once it got to like five minutes left in the game, I'd tell my dad, okay, I'm going down. Like we were up, we were up to like third from the top, third row from the top at old Gallagher, which now is like lower level. <laughs> but, uh, I told him I, I'm going down to the floor. He's okay. So I remember all the kids would kind of we'd pile up in the corners, and as soon as it was over, we'd all try to rush to Big Country because we all wanted one of those wristbands that he had. And you could never get to Country because everyone, every kid out there was just dying to meet him, get touch him, just get his wristband, whatever. And so, like that's that's my fondest memories of Country was obviously he was awesome at basketball and the heights that he brought him, but it was more of just this mythical figure and for a kid to see a seven foot dude like that named big country, this persona, he was larger than life. And I never got one of those wristbands, but I did get one from Jerome Lambert, a Juco guy that was just kind of milling about. He was, he was walking off the floor like Jerome, I'll take your wristband. He gave it to me. I think I still have it somewhere. But. Send it in Jerome. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that was, that was like sports didn't get any bigger when you're that age, you know, they're already these, mythical people but then when you get a guy like big country he was just he was just paul bunyan is probably the best comparison for him it was it was a lot of fun seeing him in old gallagher yeah i totally agree you know it used to be a big deal for me growing up to it's funny thinking back on this but just to stay up late uh late quote unquote with my dad watching big monday games i, I can't they probably came on at eight or something so i would stay up till you know 10 or 10 15 to, to watch them and I can't remember if the Missouri game was a big Monday. It might have been a Saturday. It seems like it was a Saturday night in uh, in Gallagher. And just that the shot that he hit from half court. I mean, it, it was it was so – and I think now, like, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, a big guy hit a half court shot. But at the time, it just felt so improbable and so crazy. You know, like, people – I don't know. Put it, it – the game was different back then in that big guys posted up. They didn't, they didn't shoot three-pointers. They didn't shoot, you know, whatever. And for whatever reason, Big Country has the ball at midcourt in this Missouri game and turns around and just barely even looks at the goal and makes a shot. And, of course, his reaction is is very Big Country-ish, just <laughs> raises his arms and doesn't really say a lot. And, the you know, the crowd is just losing it. And I don't know, that, that was one of my favorite memories from – from my childhood and, and just generally watching those games with my dad. Cause we didn't, I don't know. We, I don't know if Oklahoma state just, I mean, they weren't good at football, but I don't know if those games weren't on TV as much or whatever, but I remember a lot of basketball games being on TV and, and, uh, and growing up and getting to watch those. Were you at that game? The Missouri half court shot? Or you no, just no, saw no, it on TV? No, saw it on TV. Yeah. Okay. Well, country talked about that. He said that was by far his like favorite 
uh, personal moment. Um, but and I thought someone had a great quote about that play in uh, the Barry Trammell article. The, the, the quote was basically like, you know, we didn't see, like back then, like you didn't see half court shots unless it was on Sports Center, and it just happened right in front of us, and it was big country that shot it. So, like, at that point, you're right, there weren't a lot of games on TV. You didn't get to see OSU play every night. So, like, the fact they made it on, like, Sports Center was, like, a massive deal. And, obviously, big country's reaction was <laughs> priceless. But uh, I'll always remember that run to the Final Four. Big country talked about that a lot. He was, just said it was magical. And he said, he actually said when they got the, the bracket, and they looked at, he goes, okay, how do we get to the final? How do we get to Seattle? Here's the teams we were playing. How do we get there? He said, actually, the team that scared him the most was not Wake Forest and Tim Duncan. It was not UMass and Marcus Canby. He said Alabama scared the heck out of them because they had Antonio McDice. Yeah. And they had this other guy that he mentioned whose name escapes me that was an NBA caliber player who was very athletic. And he said, he goes, Alabama, I was concerned about them the most. <laughs> and that was the first team. That, was that the first team they played, or they played like Drexel before that? Yeah, they what? went, They went. I they think. Be, they beat Malik Rose, who played for, I think, Drexel. Yeah, they went Drexel, uh, Bama, uh, Wake, Wake and, UMass. And UMass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny that you know everyone remembers Canby and, and Tim Duncan, and country says he was most worried about McDyce in, in Alabama. Man, that that '95 team was fun. It, it seemed it seemed like every like five years growing up, you would have just a super fun Oklahoma State basketball team, and and you would have that team for you know two years or or a year and a half once they started figuring it out or whatever. But then it would just be like just be such a blast, you know '95, 2000, 04. Uh, you just you didn't you didn't really have one after that, I guess. Maybe the Marcus Smart team his freshman year, but um yeah those were some those were some fun memories growing up do you know how uh country got the half court shot i pulled it up do, do, do you know I, how he do you know how he got it how he <laughs> why why he ended up with why he ended up with the ball at midcourt uh no uh they do a full length baseball pass up to half court I, I think it's intended for someone else him and his teammate kind of cross paths and country's just way taller than him so his teammate kind of lets him go for it and he just kind of tips it up to himself over a defender and then just turns and launches it. yeah and, and the <laughs> it's way, the most ugly play ever but it worked and the way he shot it was so weird it, it wasn't even like like you would expect someone that big to just kind of like flick it up there you know but he it almost it as i remember it, it, it it's almost like he took it back like over his shoulder and just like threw it up uh, it was so it was completely bizarre the whole thing yeah, he he totally cocks it back like that. You're right, and yeah. that that '95 team, Kyle, they weren't that good in the regular season. They just caught fire at the end of the season. It all kind of clicked. They won the Big Eight tournament, and then obviously just rolled through the NCAA tournament. But they they had a lot of regular season losses that year, if I remember correctly. I don't think they won the, the I don't think they won the regular season of the Big Eight that year. I mean, it was probably Kansas. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's what Country was saying, too. They, they, uh, Trammell brought up uh, the fact he went scoreless at Allen Fieldhouse, and just the reason he brought it up was how well uh, Bryant handled himself afterwards. Yeah. Just He was very graceful afterwards, and and uh, Country was saying, yeah, he was like, I was really disappointed because back then it was whoever won the OSU-Kansas game was winning the Big 8. Yeah. Was, there was no debate. It was us and them, and that was it. So yeah. not much has changed over the years. Yeah, for Kansas anyway, not necessarily right. for Oklahoma yeah. State. 
Um, well, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you got to do that. It sounds like some, some fun, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun. It, it's almost like Oklahoma sports fans. Like, and I'm talking OU thunder, Oklahoma state, just even like Tulsa and Oral Roberts, you have this sort of like just your own little slice of the, of, of sports history of the country. There's not, you know, there's nothing else that really infiltrates it. Like if you live in New York, you've got you know, all this other stuff going on. You've got so many different teams and colleges and, and whatever. And, and and it's like that in a lot of places. Even if you, if you live in Florida, you get seven different D one football teams and three different professional football teams and all this stuff. But Oklahoma, it's just thunder OU and Oklahoma state really. And those kind of two smaller colleges. So I think it makes for some really interesting nights like that, where you can kind of relive some of these memories that everybody was really a part of. Right, like everyone remembers the half court shot for sure. And I did tweet out a uh, uh, a soundbite that Country had his opening statement. I thought was pretty poignant. You know, he he steps to the mic and then just just says, you know, I played for one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball, and goes on and on about Eddie. And I thought you could really hear in his voice, like his voice kind of cracked a little just thinking about Eddie. And I think. Partly his health is a reason for that, but I think there's there's this sense of just gratitude for Eddie, the fact that he br- took this kid from Class B high school in Oklahoma and developed him into you know an NBA basketball player. And uh, I thought it was really cool the way he described uh, Eddie Sutton and how good of a coach he was in his opening statement. I tweeted that soundbite if people want to go go watch. Yeah, it. I think I, you you can hear in his voice just how I, much he means to him. I put it on the bullets this morning. I was filling in to do the bullets and I put that on there. So if people Okay, want, good deal. If people want to see it. Um we got football Carson in uh two, 16 days. Yep, 16 days. Are you We're ready? to uh Parish Cox 16 days away. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm ready, man. I'm fired up. Like I, each day I get more and more and more fired up. So I, I can't wait. So we went around at, at dinner every night with the family. We we talk about uh, we do best and worst. Or no, yeah. So we do best and worst. But uh, yesterday we did um, what you're most looking forward to about the fall. And we're going around the table. And um, Jude, our our son said, uh, I, I don't know what he said, playing in the snow. And we had to explain to him that it snows in the winter, not the fall. <laughs> Um, I forgot what Hannah said. I said, uh, you know, cooler weather, shorter days. And, and Mrs. Pistols dropped a, uh, I'm ready for college football on me. Whoa. I, yeah. <laughs> she, she makes one podcast appearance and she's ready. I was flabbergasted. It was unbelievable. Uh, what so, is, what is she, what is she excited about? Just to kind of casually stroll through the living room while you're just grinding, grinding away at the, at the shed. <laughs> Uh, she, maybe she wants you in the shed all, all fall. Maybe that's why she's ready for football season. Maybe so. Uh, just as a, it's just such a marker for like the time of the year, you know, like it's, it's to me, it's such a marker for the end of summer and the beginning of this like new season, um, literally and figuratively. So it's, uh, I don't know. I think that was sort of what she was, was referencing. Yeah. Do you, do you remember just, I know we've been out of school a long time, Kyle. So I'm asking if you remember like, the first two or three weeks of college, or even even high school back in the day, just you're you're excited to be back. You get to see everybody again, and football is here. Like that to me, that is like the most exciting time of the year. It always reminds me like when we went back to school, just the excitement of being back and the fact that you're gonna be going to college football games on Saturday. Like that to me is the best time of the year without question. So it, it definitely reminds me of those days. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Um, any anything that has stood out that it, you know, it, we're kind of at the at the time of of fall camp where it's like, okay, it's time for the season to be here. We can only write about the you know backup tackle left tackle so many times <laughs> uh anything that stood out that mike gundy has said recently i know he's talked a little bit about um backup running backs you know i wrote a little bit about that today and uh i don't know is there anything that he's said about oklahoma state that has stood out to you um he, he thinks they're pretty fast on defense which i think they, yeah. they're gonna have to be i mean i think that obviously is the biggest question mark kyle and i don't know about you but like them ranked fourth in Sports Illustrated. Obviously, I think you and I both agree it's it's a little high for where they are. And I just I wonder defensively, are they ready to be elite? Are they in that ilk of top five in the country? I just I have major questions about that, and those won't get answered until they start playing games. But well, it, what's interesting about that, and Gundy talked about this at his media day presser. He, and I asked him, like, why, like, what, what do you base your expectations on going into a season? And he said experience. And, and he was, I think, specifically talking about offense. And, you know, he's big on quarterback experience and all this stuff. And yet he, he seems to have a lot of confidence in a defense that, at least at corner uh, and, and partially a defensive line, doesn't have a lot of experience. I mean, their, their cornerbacks are the most – inexperienced group in the big 12 probably and yet he's he's confident about that so i i I don't know i i think that um i'm not going to say that confidence is misplaced because obviously he's watching practice every day but it 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 doesn't align with what he uh would normally say gives him reason to be confident and that's an experienced group Mm -hmm. and they do have good players on that side of the ball like we discussed last week like trey flowers is an all big 12 safety Ramon Richards is a playmaker. And I do think here is one caveat for the people that just think that OSU is a terrible defensive team. Do you know how many times they gave up 40 points last year? Um, 40, or, 40 or more? Twice? Once. And that was to Patrick Mahomes, who scored yeah. 40 or 50 on everybody. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's pretty good in the Big 12 to not give up 40 points but just one time, and that was to Texas Tech. Now, Oklahoma did take a knee, and they scored 38. <laughs> so yeah. that's a little asterisk there. But, but the point being is that they didn't just get lit up. They actually held their own pretty well in the Big 12 against teams who can score some points. Well, and, and Glenn Spencer talked about that at the, the golf media outing. I, I think he referenced that Oklahoma State was number one in the Big 12 in points per drive. Um, now, I looked it up, and technically they they weren't overall now I, I i wasn't able to break it down by like conference games only so i think they i think that's what he was referencing and i don't have the numbers on that so i kind of have to take his word for it but yeah i mean you know I, I don't i don't know it's hard because they've got a lot of guys coming back that i like but they also lost a lot of guys that that everybody likes vincent taylor jordan stearns guys that were um just huge impact guys not only from a physical standpoint but just like kind of the heart and soul of the of the defense so I don't know but again like if you have a historic offense you only have to get so many stops right mm-hmm. um, you, you don't necessarily want to rely on that for the entirety of the year you want to get turnovers you want to get a, at least a few stops but it's kind of like somebody who is uh, to make a golf reference 
somebody who's a great driver and ball striker, you only have to be like average at putting, you know, to, to win. And, and that's sort of like what this Oklahoma state defense is like. On that end, I'm a little curious. I'm, I'm just as curious to see what the offense is going to look like. Aren't you? I know we've talked a lot about the cowboy backs. I mean, you and I have always kind of been on the same page on, on the cowboy backs. Like they were, they served their purpose. They helped them. I think they helped the run game more than we realize. But but with these receivers, man, let's go four and five wide. Why are we even worried about who's playing cowboy back at this point? I'm interested to see how wide open the offense is going to be and what Mike Yersich is going to do with all these receivers that he has. Yeah, and especially when you lose you know, the Blake Jarwin type, who I think was probably a better pass catcher than Keenan Brown is going to be. I, I don't know. I've not seen Keenan Brown play very much, obviously. He had a, he had a, catch, a nice catch against Texas last year, but – um, if that's the case, if Keenan Brown's not as good as Blake Jarwin, I just I, I just don't see how you're going to see him as much as we saw Veach and, and Jarwin last year. Yeah, and I just I, I don't I don't think they should try to fit uh, a square peg into a round hole by just forcing Keenan Brown on the field just because he's a cowboy back. I mean, especially when you got these receivers. So it's going to be interesting to see if I mean how how Yersich balances that for sure. Couldn't they use like? Lacey or Aitman in that kind of position, like in the cowboy back position? Well, I, I don't think so because I don't think anyone expects them to run block a linebacker, do you? I, you don't want them doing that. I mean, that's going to get them hurt. Yeah, I, I guess. And so I, so it, it takes away the, the notion that they're going to run the ball because I mean, you lose a lot of your deception that way, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but I think that's something they can toy with as far as putting – uh, they have so many receivers, you know, p- lining one up in the backfield, like putting Tyron Johnson next to Justice Hill in the backfield. Mm. Like, I, I want to see stuff like that. I want to see some innovation and just getting your best players on the field because let's face it, they're, they're six or seven deep and they're not going to be able to put seven receivers out there. So I, I want to see Tyron line up in the backfield and in unconventional places like that. I like that. Um, you want to talk uniforms? Uni review. We got a lot of unis to review. We do. Um, let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, you did your top five. Uh, your top five uniforms from 2016. Uh, yes. Want, do you want me to just roll through them and you can kind of give your comments on? on yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So at number five, you had the Central Michigan. Uh, the black, black, gray. Uh, if you you said if it had a different uh, logo on the helmet, if it had the uh, the brand instead of the badge, it would be top two. Chrome, <clears throat> Chrome brand, I would have fainted. You would have had to have you would have had to call Doctor Mark Pascal, the OSU team doctor, on the sideline. I would have been keeled over with my camera just in in a in a heap. I just we we've made our feelings known about Little Pete. I think uh, the badge and the brand are the way to go. But I, I was stunned, Kyle, in review, just how good the Central Michigan uniforms looked. Yeah. Like, those are mean looking. And the yeah. chrome face mask just sets them off perfectly. So, so I really good. like those. So good. I agree with you about the about the helmet, too. Uh, number four, Southeastern Louisiana, you had the uh, the white. Give me the brand. <laughs> Give me the brand. The white. Isn't, isn't it funny how, like, we've gone, we've gone, like, we've done a, like, we've gone, full circle in terms of the uniforms. Cause we used to say, Oh, the white, orange, white sucks. Give us anything but that. And now you have it ranked in your top four for a season. Yeah. 
I wouldn't, you know, as I prefaced in the in the column, like I'm not a white orange white guy. I'm a I've seen enough of that. It was more of just the brand. It was the only game they wore the brand, Kyle. So that it was more my love of the brand than it was the white orange white. Although it is a clean look. And just I'm I'm worried about the brand, aren't you? I mean, one game out of the entire season is the brand going away, Kyle, is my question. I I hope not. Yeah, I I, I mean, don't Yeah, I I I hope not. And, I mean, what would you have done, Kyle? I think I brought this up in the pod last week. But when we were in college, if they would have run out there with a a black face mask, black stripe, and a metallic brand, like, would we have have just, like, stormed the field (laughs) right off the bat? like A pregame storming of the field. But if we just jumped on the field and just run around crazy like like Jim Valvano when they won the NCAA (laughs) title? (laughs) <laughs> we just just not knowing where to run. Just what are we, what are we doing out here? This is awesome. Yeah, I I I I don't know. I hope it doesn't go away. Like I I sort of I I don't think it is. I think it was more of just you know, they got in the lab and started creating new helmets and just kind of by the end of the season like oh well we didn't wear the brand that much. Um, I I hope that what they do is sort of get rid of the the peat on the helmet. Like I'm okay with the badge. Just just go back and forth between the badge and the brand, you know, yes. like, yes, that's, that's fine. Like do that. Just get, get, get peed and little peed and crazy peed and all the peats off my helmets. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still cool with, you know, the orange Chrome helmet with the big peat. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't hate that. It's whatever. I don't think that, I don't think that's going anywhere. I prefer the, the white with the big peat, the, the icy. White. Yeah. You like icy white. Okay. Yeah. Um, that didn't okay. make my top five. Number three, uh, West Virginia homecoming, uh, the throwback. You said, "By God, that's Jimmy Johnson's music." <laughs> well, I I meant to write this in the piece and I forgot. But my my dad, when he took me to old Rustoleum Lewis Field back in the day, one of my earliest memories was looking up at the press box and it had two helmets: the white with the old brand with the curse, you know, kind of cursive looking brand, and a black one that it looked exactly like what they wore in Homecoming. And I remember as a little kid, I must have been like seven, eight years old. Looking up at the press box and going, and just pointing to my, telling my dad, like, Dad, why, why don't they wear that helmet? Why don't, why don't they wear the black helmet? That looks yeah. way better. And then we, I got to see it in person at homecoming. It was, it was great. And as I said, like, the homecoming helmet's becoming like the event of the season as far as uniforms are concerned. And yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled with what they've done, and I'm thrilled to see what they come up with moving forward. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, number two. Uh, this one was sneaky good, I thought, was the uh, white, white, black against TCU. They had the badge on the side. Um, you said this is the perfect road uniform. Yes, I, I knew it was going to be in my top five, Kyle, but just when I started doing my rankings, it just kept creeping up and up and up. And at one point, I had it number one, just because I think it's wow. that strong. of a list. Like the, the switch to the black numbers cannot be understated as far as just how well it works with the helmets. And then obviously when you wear the black pants, it just looks amazing. It, it's just it, perfect road uniform. And that white helmet with the badge. Yeah, it's pretty good. We saw it at Media Days. You and I both kind of like did a double take when we saw it. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That looks pretty good. And so like the whole as a whole, it just it's a perfect look and there's really no nothing to pick at here. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, per the usual, probably 10 years run or not 10 years, six years running ever since they've introduce the all blacks you have black 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 as your number one yeah and it goes back to 2011 uh the uh the bowl game the fiesta bowl yeah. like i'll never forget seeing what osu looked like the first time they ran out in all black like it 
they looked like a different team. Is like it really made a difference? And I just think this is the upgraded version with with the badge helmet, which is cool. The the chrome face mask is just all kinds of awesome. Like it just that's foolproof. All black's foolproof. I know you're not a fan, but you get down to field level and you see them wearing all black, like it, it makes a difference. I think the players really really understand that too. But I think that's a perfect uniform as well. Uh, yeah, I mean it's good. It I haven't done my rankings yet. I need to. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm gonna get to it later this week. So I think I, I I almost I almost had the Alamo Bowl in my top five cop. I couldn't I couldn't do the Ed Hardy helmet. It just was I know, too much. I know. Um, I don't know. I think I'm probably gonna have the homecoming at number one just because of the helmet and my love for the the tricolors. So right. I don't know. We'll see. There were some good ones last year. I'm looking forward to uh, what they come up with this season. Uh, we have some more unis to talk about because I wrote, I wrote a post uh, very uh, I, I just off the cuff post about ranking Ricky Fowler's Sunday attire. And I was on the, I was on the golf course when you posted this. So I was just inhaling it. So it was, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, there are three comments on it currently. And the second one just says dumb. That's it. <laughs> so might not be the most popular post, but um, you want to just, you want to just go through them. I'll, I'll uh, tell you what I had and you tell me if you agree. Yep. Okay. Number seven, I had black, orange, black. Number one or number two for me. Really? Uh, your your love for the tricolor is only trumped by my love of the one two one combo. <laughs> That's why I love the black orange black uniform they wear in Bedlam. But uh, I, I love to me just wear orange and black, Ricky. I mean, you can wear white too to mix it up sometimes. But man, just the orange and black's a strong combo. Yeah, it's just it just seems like a little bit much sometimes it, uh, it seems more osu to me like he, he kind of goes the way of tennessee a lot with orange and white i think the orange and black really discerns him as osu as if anyone needs help discerning that but yeah um okay number six was orange white orange um yeah i just it, the best thing that he does is not wear like shirts that look like they're like a uh like we're put together like a jigsaw puzzle a like, pentagram or something. <laughs> yeah, like just just give me the the plain, clean, white or orange or black. And, which he's uh, he's he's going to more and more now. Yeah, which is good. That's that's definitely a good look. Uh, number five. I, go ahead. Uh, just the, the one small gripe: the, the orange hat in the picture you have here. Just it, he needs to get some OSU orange. He's wearing a lot of Tennessee orange for me. Yeah, but, I know, I know. But uh, I, I'm I'm cool with white orange, white orange. Pretty simple. Uh, number five, white, orange, black, uh, with the white, uh, Puma shoes. I really like this a lot. It was a little bit more subtle than the black, orange, black. See, this to me looks like he forgot the right hat or the right <laughs> shoes to me. Uh, this one would be probably be last on my list. Okay. Uh, number four, I had orange, orange, white. I love this look. I think it's clean. The white belt, the white shoes, uh, white the, pants. Yeah. Uh, with the strong look yeah and then the orange hat and orange shirt I, I think this is really good yeah that's definite top five for sure and then this one's a little bit of a throwback he wore this uh i think when um when tiger just dusted him at bay hill in like 2013 or 12 or something um black black orange with a black oh. belt oh it's one or two for me. It's pretty maybe, good. maybe one. It's pretty good. I'm telling you, man, the black and orange is a strong look. And maybe it's because he doesn't wear it very often that it stands out. But yeah. I just feel like he should wear black and orange more. Yeah. And then number two, I had black, orange, white. 
with the black shoes. That's probably too. Yeah. Oof. This, that's, that's up there. That's one or two for me too. I mean, that's top three for sure. Oh, I thought it was, I thought you were going to say there's too much going on. Cause the, no, it, it, the, the black shoes and the black hat, I think is, is stellar with yeah. the orange and white in between. Exactly. That, that looks really good. And then a lot of people probably disagreed with number one, but I had white, orange, gray. Uh, he wore this at the 2014 PGA when, uh, he finished second or third, uh, when Rory won it. And, uh, I just I don't know like it's, he, wore, he wore it uh, yesterday too didn't he yeah or on Sunday yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he did and I just think Sunday. it's I think it's kind of understated but it just pops for me like I love I, I think I, I just like gray like on golfers generally like I like gray pants um, I don't necessarily like gray shirts but I like the gray pants and I, it just I don't know it works for me yeah gray is one of my favorite uh, colors as well but I just I would have seven, which is orange or black, orange, black. Like all the ones that have black in it, I have top three. (laughs) That's fair. The black, yeah, it looks good. Um, Although, I mean, black, orange, white. The more I look at it, that 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 kind of falls in line with your your more subtle looks that you prefer, while also incorporating the black, which I think looks really good. Um, okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Um, what else do you want to talk about? I guess I need to tell some PGA stories, huh? Yeah, let's hear them, man. I, I was enthralled by the golf coverage. And I was even more enthralled seeing you like on the greens and then seeing like Justin Thomas, like scared the hell out of you as he walked out of the scoring <laughs> tunnel. <laughs> but just give me, give me all your stories. Cause you were front and center, man. I could see you on TV a lot. Well, I got there on Thursday. I parachuted into the Ricky Rory group and I didn't think about it that morning. So I usually only take one hat on the road. I usually take a master's hat or just, you know, whatever. Because yeah. I don't want to keep up with you know a bunch of different clothes or whatever, so I took the uh, the swinging Pete hat that I got at Carson when we went out there, and I I I parachute into the Ricky Rory group, and all of a sudden I'm inside the robes wearing an Oklahoma State golf hat, following Ricky Fowler around like the biggest fanboy of all time. <laughs> Were you wearing orange pants? It was not good. No, <laughs> I wasn't. Did you get did did Alan Shipnuck look down on you or? <laughs> Some of my buddies were make, were were giving me a hard time. Uh, we have a group text, and one of them said, "One of them who was there said, you know, the hat's fine, but it's really the orange puma pants that put him over the top.'" <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely not wearing orange puma pants, but okay, just um, sure. Yeah, and yeah, Fowler acknowledged it too. It was it was uh, it was not good. What did, what did Fowler say? Well, he. I just get out there and he looks up and uh, he sees the hat. He's like, sup, bro. And I was like, oh gosh, this is, I, I need to leave. This is not good. Cause you, you, your, your goal when you're out there is 
to to not to like not be seen by the players to not like you you, you want to like be in the shadows essentially as much as you can be i mean it's sometimes hard but it was just it, i don't know it wasn't a good look it was very prominent not not great so you didn't you didn't like ask him to sign your hat when he walked by <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I followed his group or their group with, with Ram and Rory for Thursday and Friday, uh, which was a lot of fun. It was, you know, that course, it, it kind of made for a boring event over the first three days. Um, yes. It just, it, it, and part of the problem was, and we talked about this in, I think in the no laying up podcast that I did, but the greens were so fast and, and guys were just trying to like, it, it was almost like a U.S. open. And, and that's why I kind of thought halfway through that. Man, maybe Fowler's got a chance to win this because he's so good at at you know two putting for par and and getting up and he's number one on the tour in strokes gained putting this year and you know he he's just he's good at hanging on uh, and then he makes the triple in the first round and it just kind of I don't know it, it didn't he he just couldn't really ever get fully in the mix on the weekend which was which was a bummer because I thought he had a real chance to win it this week. Yeah, I thought the the door had opened in the third round going into the, the, the green mile, as they call it, the last three holes. And he played his last three holes in four over, and yeah. that was basically it. I thought the door was wide open. All he had to do was not necessarily make a bunch of birdies, but just kind of par his way through that, and then he's right there in the mix. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, it's easy for me to say that. It's just that's what's going to take for him to win a major is when those that door opens like it did on, on uh, Saturday – that's when he has to string those four birdies together that he did on the back nine on, on Sunday. Like he He's capable of it. I kind of disagree with one of the things you wrote in that he doesn't have that gear. Is, is that essentially what you're saying? He doesn't have the gear that Justin Thomas and Rory and them have that can hit at a mile or whatnot. But I think he has the gear of making like a Matsuyama streak of like five birdies in a row. Like Matsuyama can reel off five birdies in no time flat. And I feel like Ricky has that same capability. It's just a matter of can he do it? at the right opportunity is, th- is my biggest question. I think the bigger point with Fowler not having an extra gear is like he doesn't. And, and I, I don't, I go back and forth on it. Right. Because like <clears throat> you see him on the, on the weekend in these majors at, at the U S open was a good example this year. And it's like, just, just get involved, like do something, be aggressive, you know, be like, it's almost like somebody said this, I can't remember who, but he's kind of like Gundy sometimes. It's just like, throw it deep, see what happens, you know? Um, which is odd, which is odd because he's considered an aggressive player, and a lot of times he will be aggressive. But I feel like this past week, especially, he was very conservative off the tee and, and just in general. Well, and the counterpoint to that, though, is the 2005 Players Championship, right? Where he goes six under over his last six holes, plays the four playoff holes in two under, and you're like, wow, that's the extra gear. You know, that's the. That's the sixth gear that you're looking for. And so I, I think it is there. I just. I don't know. There's just there's been something about it on the weekends at majors that he just he just can't quite like find it, you know. And I, I do have an interesting stat for you though, Carson. Uh, give it, give it to me. Since 2011, uh, Ricky is tied for the second most top five finishes at major championships. Who's first? Jason Day has eight. Cool. Top so this is top five since two thousand eleven. Rory, Spieth, Mickelson, and Fowler have not have uh, seven. Oh. And then DJ has five. Sergio and Tiger have four. 
Well, that tells you, like, as much as we're we nitpick Ricky, like he, he's right there. <laughs> like, it's all it seems as if it's only a matter of time. I well, mean, the, just, it, it, I think the difference is, and and you bring this up with with Rory a lot, and it's a good point. Is like, there's a difference between finishing top ten or top five, and like finishing second and losing the tournament. You know, like like I went back and yeah. looked at every single one of Spieth's top fives. He had a chance to win it at like three thirty in the afternoon on Sunday. Every, every single one of them, all seven. Uh, with Rory, it was like four, and he won all four of them. And with Ricky, it's been like three kind of, but more like, I don't know, four kind of-ish, but more like two really, you know, like really good chances. So, I mean, again, like if people are like, well, when's, when's Ricky going to win? When's Ricky going to win? There's four majors a year, and they're won by elite players. And if he keeps playing at the level he's playing at, he's number one on the PGA Tour in strokes game this year. He's, he's literally the best. I think he's won, Spieth's two, and, and Rory's three. So, like, he is, uh, based on the, the metric, he's the best player on the PGA Tour in 2017. Yeah, so and if that, you keep that, doing that, that tells you're, you, yeah, you're going to win a major at some point. Give yourself enough at bats, he'll eventually, eventually do it. And you and I both kind of agree it'll probably be at the British or uh, maybe even the Masters. But uh, what was it like in person seeing Ricky dust your pick to win, John Rahm, and your boy Rory McIlroy? What was it like watching him just just beat them to a pulp? It was crazy because Rahm and Rory were both 40 yards past him on some holes, and then he would just make par, and they would make bogey. <laughs> and it was like, well, it, 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 you know, he, he's just because he can putt and those other two can't. Well, that's that's part of it. But he was just hitting his wedge shots were tighter. Like he was just hitting better approaches, you know, and he's not he's not as long off. He's not short off the tee, but he's not as long as those guys. Um, but, yeah, his, his wedges were just better and he gave himself better opportunities. Did Ricky look over at you when they wrapped up uh, round two and say you like that? No, like that. But Justin Thomas on Sunday, uh, on number ten, when the putt fell and when it was hanging on the lip, yeah, looked back at me and and uh, Chris Solomon of No Lane Up and and did the MJ shrug during the during the on the back nine of a major, just MJ see, shrugging at us. See, I didn't see the shrug until a replay. I saw the uh, the hat tip. The hat tip and kind of he turned around to the gallery for a second, but then I f- saw on the replay the actual Jordan shrug, and I didn't know that was at Solly until you you tweeted it, which was hilarious. It was so like Solomon and him are boys. Like no laying up is like known by the professional golfing the golfers. Like Rory was having a conversation with Tron, I guess, from no laying. Like are they like that big to where like the the golfers know them? Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Why is that? They just they're on Twitter, I guess. Or yeah, I think the that, podcast. I think that I, I think Rory said this at one point, but just like the fact that they make it fun, you know, like like that being out there and like the week to week thing, it's kind of a slog and it's kind of not that fun most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and they make it fun. Sounds like my golf game. <laughs> yeah, well, just, just the whole production of it. They make it fun and entertaining and. It just is. It's it's entertainment for for honestly, like even for the for the best guys. And him and JT kind of go way back. Him and Rory are are more recent. But uh, yeah, everybody's in on on the no laying up movement. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I love that Rory approves of the name McRib <laughs> to Tron. That, that that was hilarious. 
So good. Yeah, it was great. Well, that ends it for golf season. So you're you're all in on uh, college football now, huh? Yeah, I'm locked in. We got the the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, oh yeah, you still got that to cover. And the President's you? Cup, but I mean, it's not a Ryder Cup year, so it's it's definitely less than uh, than normal. But yeah, I'm, how, I'm ready for how good is how good is the Ryder Cup team going to be? Uh, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, or I guess President's Cup too. I guess is yeah. nearest. But, it's going to be a joke. Who cares about that? Fowler's who, like who their, care about Ryder Cup. Fowler's like their fifth best player. DJ, JT, Spieth, Reed. <laughs> you have Reed on the team. Yeah. Well, he's he's in it. Yeah. He's like yeah. the captain, <laughs> unquestioned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just studs Kuchar, everywhere. Kuchar. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. He's. Talk, we he's didn't, He's the godfather of the backdoor top ten. He he taught Rory the way. He got another top ten. <laughs> we didn't talk about uh, the JT uh, high five with me looking scared out of my mind. Okay, yeah. So I'm I'm watching uh, the broadcast, and I guess I didn't know what Chris Solomon looked like from no laying up. I didn't know that's who he congratulated until he tweeted about it. But I noticed you right away, and like you're looking down at your phone, and at the last second you look up and I go, "Oh, it's JT." And you well, had, you had the emo- the wide-eyed oh emoji face going on. It was hilarious because he was like sprinting out of the. Uh, he wasn't literally sprinting, but he was like running out of the the scorer's tent to to go claim his Wanamaker trophy, and I didn't expect to see him. And you got all <laughs> this, you got all these things going on. I'm standing next to, to Solomon, and and JT comes by and. He goes up to Solomon and, and gives him a five and goes, I effing told you I was going to win a major this year. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And Spieth jumps in and like slaps him on, slaps the, him on the butt. Slaps him on the butt. <laughs> and then he goes, Justin, what did you say? Like, you know, like, why, why are you using that language? And like, I don't know. It, the whole thing was, was crazy. Um, but it was super fun. And, and kind of that bag nine on Sunday really sort of saved the tournament. Yeah, and I'm I'm all in on JT now. I was he's I was not in. I'm all in. He's yeah. he's awesome. And I thought the crowd, you could really hear it through the broadcast, Kyle, how much the crowd wanted him to win, like yeah. just throughout the entire round. Like the, the the galleries were loud, and they really wanted him to to beat Matsuyama. So that yeah. was that was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I tell you, SBK two eight two K eighteen is gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah. Now that they've got two more trophies, all the trophies. Poor but, uh, poor Smiley. Poor Ricky. Poor Ricky too, yeah. I mean, Ricky tweeted out a uh, he Snapchatted a picture of the the picture with Tiger and, and JT holding the Wanamaker, and he said fourteen one zero zero not pictured, meaning himself. Yeah, <laughs> as far as major titles, so at least he has a sense of humor about it. Yeah, he'll, he'll win one he'll, eventually. I'm yeah, sure. he'll he'll get his for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, we will be back either later this week or beginning of next week. Talk more football. Sounds good, man. Okay, talk to you then.